You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And here we go. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. Hopefully you're celebrating it with friends and family wherever you are. And in the midst of another crazy weekend of college football, the final weekend of the regular season, we're good because conference title games are on next weekend. We'll roll through some of those scenarios that are still up for grabs uh, in just a little bit. Also react to this past week's most recent college football playoff rankings. Again, no change in the top four, but things shuffling behind the top four as people position themselves for perhaps a run at a spot, depending on what happens in the final two weeks. A lot to get to. You can listen to us live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it later as a podcast. Uh, In case you missed anything, listen to it again for all of our insight. And, of course, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL, and on YouTube is where you watch the stream as well. I'm Chris Mack. Uh, happy weekend to my friends RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. Let's start where we do every week, guys. RJ, what did we learn in week 12 of this college football <laughs> season? I learned uh, <laughs> we could not have nice things. Uh, that's what I learned. <laughs> I learned that, uh, you know, getting buying back in sports is a great way just to get kicked in the crotch. It's what it is. It's just a great way to make sure that you don't sit down properly for a week and a half. Uh, it's a great way to uh, enjoy months at a time and have all those months come crashing down, not even in a full three hours. No, they came crashing down in about 48 minutes uh, and, yeah. and by halftime. And that, that's what I learned. I learned that – I'll tell you what I learned. I learned there's really one good football team in college football. That's Georgia. Yeah. And everybody else yeah. is incredibly flawed. Like from Ohio State to Michigan to TCU – uh, to USC, to LSU, to Tennessee, to Oregon, uh, to, to Clemson and Alabama. Uh, they're, they, any one of those teams can probably beat any one of those other teams on any given day, but they're all flawed. And they can also all lose a dog butt game like that. And that's what I learned. I learned sports will kick you in the pants. For those who are joining BetQLU for the first time, <laughs> RJ is our resident Tennessee Volunteers fan. I don't think I even had to say that. It's apparent just based on that reaction. But, yeah, it was another rough one for Vols fans. Hendon Hooker out for the year now. Uh, You worry about his draft stock if you're a fan of Hendon Hooker at all, what this does. Perhaps he slides into somebody's lap in the middle rounds of the NFL draft now based on the recovery he'll have. But it was tough. I think we were all rooting for the Vols, not just you, RJ, and not just us, Kayla and I, because – we're friends with you and do the show with you every week. But I think much of the country was kind of looking at the Vols as a fun, happy-go-lucky story. And it's a bummer to see them fall out the way they did over the last couple of weeks. And like you said, to do it so in such disastrous fashion yeah. against South Carolina was really crazy. Kayla, what did you learn last week around the world of college football? I'm with RJ. And yes, I was rooting for the Vols outside of my Mizzou Tigers. They were the team that I was hoping would make a run. 
But guys, the more I see from the SEC, the less I know about the SEC. Basically, just what RJ said. Nothing makes sense. Obviously, last weekend, we had South Carolina annihilate the Vols. Uh, however, earlier in the season, Mizzou beat South Carolina, and then Tennessee slaughtered Mizzou. So, riddle me that. Uh, for two weeks in a row, Vandy has picked up wins now over Kentucky right. and Florida. Two teams who beat Mizzou, but Mizzou beat Vandy. Uh, Tennessee gets by Bama and gets humbled by Georgia. And because I love to bring it up, Georgia barely got past Mizzou. But Tennessee was held <laughs> to just 13 points by Georgia. And as previously stated, Mizzou got destroyed by Tennessee. So is anyone still with me? Is this just an SEC East thing? Guys, make it make sense. I feel like everyone is just taking turns on who they win and lose to. Everyone that is except for Georgia, who, as we know, is sitting comfortably in that number one spot. And as RJ, again, just said, they're the only team that has really made sense this season. And once again, if this is your first dance with BetQL, you, <laughs> you've now learned in a very short amount of time that Kayla's a Mizzou Tiger. Uh, there it is. And that she's clinging, like Wiley Coyote clinging to the edge of a cliff, just claws scratching, clinging to that near miss against Georgia um, that has haunted her all year. Yeah, you're right. So nothing nothing makes sense. Hey, whatever. Hey, whatever you have, hang your hat on and be proud of it. In a near miss against the against the team that, good point by RJ. It seems like the only team that it's hard to find a weakness uh, in the country in Georgia. And I think that's that's what I learned this week is that you know it kind of feeds off of what both you guys said. A dub is a dub is a dub. Just get a win, however you can get a win. Georgia laying twenty two and a half against Kentucky. They get out of there with a ten point victory. Ohio State. I mean, they made it look a little better than the the score would have indicated late, 43-30. They failed to cover 26.5 at Maryland. Michigan barely gets away with one at Illinois in Ann Arbor and certainly didn't cover the 17.5. TCU, fire drill field goal to beat Baylor by one on a walk-off when they were laying 2.5. All top four, the entire top four college playoff field, failed to cover, but they all got that dub. Jameis would mm, be eating these things up right now. Uh, but it's curious to wonder what it does to things for those teams behind them as we start to look at the rest of the college football playoff landscape. Yes, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4. You know, we can get into when we get to the Ohio State-Michigan game, maybe if how that affects each of those two teams. But I think Tennessee's loss, which we led off with, RJ, the question is, who benefits the most from it? It may, in fact, be that Ohio State-Michigan loser. Uh, yeah, I think I think they will benefit from it, uh, especially if it's if it's Ohio State that loses. I think Ohio State losing can still find a way in the top four. I don't know how Michigan can. Uh, that was that's what I like to call a lost win. That was a lost win or a win loss, I should say. It was it was it was not. They did not show themselves very kindly. Uh, on Saturday of last week. So I, I don't think Michigan has a real chance to stay in there with a loss, unless it's a really close one. I just don't think they've, they've like performed exceptionally well. I would like to give that shot to USC. You know, if USC wins the uh, Pac-12. I'd like to give them the shot over Michigan, just because I think that, you know, Michigan just hasn't really shown themselves to be uh, dominant. They, they've, they've trailed at halftime to Rutgers and, and had some, some squeakers against right. stinkers. So, Give me Maryland, the, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, so I, I, if Ohio State loses, I think they got a chance, though. And this is a good question about who we would prefer to see in there next rather than the Ohio State-Michigan loser, especially if the loser is Michigan. 
because I don't think Bama has a path anymore. They win the Iron Bowl and finish 10-2. and two. They're not going to have the bump of, a, of an SEC championship game or even the opportunity at it. LSU will, though, Kayla. So they still have a path, I think. It's got to include, though, not just winning th- their final game of the year against Texas A&M this weekend, but also somehow pulling off the upset of the century, I would think, and beating Georgia in Georgia in the SEC championship game next weekend. Exactly. Yeah. The only way they'll get in is if they take down Georgia. Um, maybe we're in for a shakeup with A&M, fingers crossed, because I, I'm i not someone who wants LSU in the top four. I would love to see, like RJ said, USC make a jump. I think they're deserving of it, especially if they go out and win the Pac-12 championship. Um, but yeah, I think the only way they get in is if they beat Georgia, which is doable. And I can actually possibly see that happening with this LSU team who's kind of made this push. But um, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to couch and qualify what you said about LSU based on my own opinion. I have no problem seeing LSU somehow sneak in. If they should beat A&M okay. and then beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, I, I have no problem with LSU going to the college football playoff. I have the bigger issue with Brian Kelly going there in his first year in Baton Rouge. That would just... <laughs> <laughs> that would give me that would give me the heebie-jeebies we would get all kinds of fake accents and he'd tell us about being down there on the bayou and it would just be awful and I, i'm not even if it meant just having a rematch against uh georgia perhaps or i don't know who they'd get in the playoff but even if it just meant them getting thumped in the semifinals i still would not be a fan of it and that brings us to what about our our friend producer zach his favorite team Fraudson, as he likes to call them. The Clemson Tigers, I think, still have a path. Now, I think I figured it out, and it's a wild stack of dominoes that would have to be knocked over here. First, Clemson's got to beat Georgia Tech, or excuse me. Yeah, they've got to beat, they've got to win their final game of the year. They've got to beat UNC. Those first two things have to happen. Um, That would get them to 12 and 1. Then you've got to get an LSU loss, either to AM or a big loss to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Then you've got to get a Michigan loss either to Ohio State, or perhaps they beat Ohio State and lose in the Big 12 championship, which would be an unimpressive loss, like an Illinois or a Purdue maybe in Iowa. And they'd have to get a USC loss either to Notre Dame or, or maybe even two losses to Notre Dame to counteract Clemson's loss to Notre Dame and whoever they meet in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, that's a lot to happen for Clemson to somehow sneak back in, RJ. Oh, yeah. I, I don't see how they, they put Clemson in. Uh, there, so much has to happen, and they've got to win convincingly, and the committee has to convince themselves that they're one of the four best teams. Uh, like, and, and I just don't I, – I don't think that you're going to be able to convince them of that. I think, I think you can convince them Alabama's a better team. Um, you know, I, I think they would have a tough time. If all, if, if all those scenarios happen in Alabama – you know, wins against Auburn, and, you know, Bama's going to say they have a case. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't – I can't see. I can't see it, man. I, and I don't want to see it either. Holy cow, what an all like, – what, what a disaster. <laughs> they you can't be down 21-10 at home to Syracuse and say you're one no. of the four best teams in the country. You, no. you just you're can't You're right about it. that. Uh, Which it, brings it us – on the road, whatever, you know. It brings us back around to, to, to where we kind of started this conversation about who the – the team in waiting is, and that's 
Southern Cal. Uh, and, and it involves, I think, Michigan losing by Ohio State, probably mm-hmm. losing against the spread in that one as well. Because I don't, I don't think it could be like a walk-off win for Ohio State and be good enough to knock Michigan. You're right about the, the strength of schedule, RJ. And I'm with you on it. Look, I'm, I'm a Penn State guy. Again, for those just joining the show this week, I'm a <laughs> Penn State guy. So I got no problem with, with Michigan and Ohio State somehow knocking each other out of the playoff, if that were at all possible. It's not. I think Ohio State can knock Michigan out. But it's got to be, I think, uh, at least a, a at least a six point win. It, it can't be Michigan, you know. It can't be Ohio State winning on an overtime field goal or something. I, I think the committee will find a way to keep Michigan around in that case, unless USC handles their business against both Southern Cal and whoever they face in the Pac-12 championship game. And don't let a team like they did with UCLA last weekend hang around and go back and forth. Like USC's got to put some statements out there the next two weeks. And I think then we're assured of them slipping in behind a Michigan loss in Columbus this weekend. And I think you end up with a four of Georgia, Ohio state, TCU, assuming horn horn frogs fans, your guys win out and USC. So that's where I think we end up. Uh, But USC, I think is the most viable team in waiting, right? Kayla. I would agree. And I, I love your top four there. I hope that happens. Um, but again, yeah, their road depends on kind of what happens with TCU and LSU. Um, if LSU again, loses to Georgia, that should help. But I get, yes, I definitely think that Michigan would need to lose to OSU to help their case to get in. There's a lot going on here. Um, it makes me wonder, <laughs> look, I, I love the idea. I love the idea of, a, of an expanded playoff. Give me 12 teams every year. I can't wait for that. But this is one of those years where you, you said it best to start the show, RJ. Like, it, there's, there's one team and then there's everybody else. And this would be one of those years where, like, I would even go all the way back. You remember when we were kids and before they even had the, the, the one versus two championship matchup, right? The BCS national championship game. It was just, hey, whoever's ranked number one is ranked number one after the bowl season. And that's that you're the national champion. We don't need to play a game for it. This would be the perfect year for that to happen. Georgia wins the sec championship, goes to the sugar bowl plasters. Some poor also ran who gets sent there to play against them. Maybe, maybe an undefeated TCU team, right? Cause conference, a conference alignment used to have so much more to do with those bowl matchups than they do now. And, and you'd have Georgia as an undisputed number one. Um, this is, I think, a season that almost, as much as I hate to say it, this is a season that almost argues against the the a larger playoff, RJ. It kind of does. Uh, you know, like, you know, for, for, for fans of like Clemson or, or Alabama or Tennessee, I mean, you would love to have a 12-team playoff this year. Sure. Because uh, you get sure. a second chance, you know, you, you can, you can, you can have a stinker uh, and have a second chance or a third chance, you know, depending on how many you, you, you want to lose that, that year, but. Yeah, look, I think this would be a, one of those good years to be like 1985 and Georgia just goes to the Sugar mm-hmm. Bowl and takes on, you know, Oklahoma or TCU or, you know, whoever, whoever, right? Whoever for the Big 12, right. Texas, and, you know, runs runs wild on them like Hulk Hogan style, and they wind up being, <laughs> being crowned number one. Like, that. That's the this is the kind of year for that. And then everybody else fights for number two. And then everybody in Columbus, Ohio, gets to complain that they didn't right. get a chance at Georgia. Well, you know, then you should have joined the Big Ten. And you would have been able to play uh, against Georgia the Sugar Bowl. Like, that's how it would have been. 
It's it, it's a great call, though. That it, it does keep all those other teams interested if you've got a 12-team playoff. My Nittany Lions would still be involved. The Vols would still be involved in all likelihood. Yeah. A whole bunch of teams would still be involved, but that's not the way it works this year. It's just the top four. Coming up next, an in-depth look at the four games this weekend that will have the biggest impact on the top four in this final week of the regular season. Alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram, I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Hey everyone, Chris Mack, it is BetQLU. He is RJ Choppy, she is Kayla Canaram, and we come to you every single Friday night, 11 Eastern, Saturday morning, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, getting you ready for a full slate of college football action this weekend. We'll be straight up with you. We sometimes record this show earlier in the week, and sometimes there are games being played between the time we record the show and between the time you hear it. Hey, it happens. No big deal. So if you hear anything funky, it's just because, eh, we probably recorded this before a couple of the games were played, (laughs) particularly things like the Egg Bowl on Thursday or a a slate of games on Friday that have an impact. But we will get into tie-breaking scenarios, clinching scenarios, things like that, and possibilities for college, uh, excuse me, for conference championship games in just a bit based on what we know right now. You're, of course, listening wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app or on the BetQL network or watching on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL or on YouTube. And we thank you for that. Four games that I think have the most impact on where we go from here in the final week of the regular season with those college, uh, excuse me, conference championship games waiting in the wings next weekend. Let's start with the big game, noon Eastern, nine Pacific on Fox, number three, Michigan, number two, Ohio State at the horseshoe in Columbus. Buckeyes favored by seven and a half, total sitting at just 57. Series history led by the Wolverines, 59 to 51 with six ties involved. I almost called it a draw with all the World Cup stuff going on. I've got too much soccer lingo leaking in. Uh, is there a healthy running back in the house? That's the question for this one. Blake Corm, we know, is less than 100% after not finishing against Illinois. Mayan Williams didn't play for Ohio State last week. Again, Travion Henderson didn't finish against Maryland. Uh, Dallin Hayden averaging almost five and a half yards per carry, four touchdowns the last two weeks. But I, I don't know. Michigan's defense, number one in total D in the country, under 242 yards per game. Nonetheless, I'm still left thinking, RJ, I think if this thing comes down, if the running backs all wash out, right, all the injuries kind of even the running back play out in this game, if it comes down to a quarterback battle, my 13-year-old daughter may think J.J. McCarthy is really cute and all, but he's not going (laughs) to beat C.J. Stroud. No, he's probably not. Um, You know, the running back thing, that is going to be, especially for for those two teams, you know, they love to – at least Michigan loves to run the football and everything. It's it, it is going to be you know problematic for both those teams to, to to not have their guy if they don't have their guy. Uh, but no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, this is this is just pick the quarterback. You know, the best quarterback in the field wins these games more often than not, uh, yeah. and we see it every week. And and you know, if, the, if your quarterback has a bad game, then you're in trouble. Or if their their quarterback is just on and, and hitting everything, 
and you're going to be in trouble. I, I, I do think, though, I love the under here in this one. I like the mm. under 56 Ooh. in this game. I don't have a great feel on the point spread uh, because both teams have shown that they can stick it up for a half uh, at, at any given point. You know, they both did last week. In fact, Michigan's dunk it up for about 55 minutes. Um, you know, so I, you, you could you could easily see uh, either team hitting the spread, but I think the under plays, and I think the under hits either way. If we're talking money line, it's Michigan plus two fifty, Ohio State minus three hundred. But uh, to RJ's point, this is a tough tough game to get a bead on for the spread, Kayla. Ohio State one and three against the spread in their last four, and it's been based on their defense having issues, giving up almost twenty one points a game in those four. Thirty one to Penn State. Only seven to Northwestern and 14 to Indiana, but 30 points to Maryland last weekend. So if you're trying to read the spread, which way do you go? And what's your overall feel on the big game? Um, well, like you said, this one's a tricky one. And that all-time record you mentioned at the top kind of surprised me. I thought for sure Ohio State would have the lead there. But they have won 15 of the last 17 in this head-to-head. Uh, and let's not forget last season when Michigan finally picked up a win and Harbaugh's first. Um, with that said, both teams had some scares last week. Michigan's obviously felt a little scarier in a 19-17 win over Illinois um, after being listed as the 18-point favorite. Don't love that. Uh, not only that, but as we've mentioned, yes, star running back Blake Corum left last weekend's game with a knee injury questionable this weekend, which will definitely swing this line, I would think. Um, something I don't love is that neither team has been great at covering the spread. Michigan has gone 6-4-1 and one, next to Ohio State's 5-5-1. Five, five and one. Uh, which is exactly how I feel with the spread. Can I see the Buckeyes covering? Yes. Can I see the Wolverines covering? Also, yes. Uh, Both these teams know what's on the line. So even though this game is at the shoe, I'm going to go Michigan plus seven and a half. Uh, But then again, OSU is going to want a convincing win. I just don't see the Wolverines going down without a fight in this one. And unlike RJ, I think I'm leaning the over here. Um, In their last 10 meetings, the over has hit in seven of those games. Again, a lot rides on Blake Corum's status, who did rush for 108 yards and a score all within the first or second quarter last weekend. But I think I'm going to take the over nonetheless. Okay, that's interesting because I, I do think that if there's a play to be made in this game, I, I'm leaning towards Michigan only because I think it's a, it's less than a, a one-possession game. I do think we're going to get a great game, even if Blake Corum isn't available. I think Michigan just – they have a, a knack for gumming up games, slowing the tempo down. I think they can do it against Ohio State, especially with their deficiencies and injuries on the offensive side of the ball. And their defense has not been any great shakes as well. I pointed out the 30 points they gave up both Maryland and Penn State in the last month. The one thing to keep an eye on from about Tuesday night, I want to say it was, through Wednesday afternoon, this total had dropped a full point and a half. So clearly, people are jumping on the under. Maybe that moves it to a position where, like Kayla, you're comfortable going over. Maybe that's a sign to you that you want to ride under regardless as RJ is doing. I think my lean on this one, all that said, is on Michigan, but not not in a straight-up win. I think uh, just to cover, Ohio State still wins, and I think we've got a big argument on Tuesday night about whether Michigan is still in the number four spot or not ahead of USC or LSU, but that's to have on Tuesday, uh, Saturday, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific on ABC. This is a big one to set up the other spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Number 12, Oregon. They go to number three, Oregon State. Huge rivalry game to end the year. And 
a tight spread on this one. Oregon's got a chance to clinch that spot, as I mentioned, opposite USC in the Pac-12 championship game with a win. A loss by the Ducks would open the door for Washington and or maybe Utah. Uh, Oregon State, they don't have a path to the Pac-12 championship game. This is all about uh, playing spoiler for them. They've been perfect against the spread at home, though, this year, Kayla. And I'll be honest, I'll get more into it when we get to our best bets. I really like the Beavers in this one. Do you? Mm -hmm. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one was actually... (laughs) <laughs> this one was easy for me uh, with Oregon, okay. like I said, trying to get into the Pac-12 championship. I like them to cover against Oregon State, even on the road. This number is small enough where it seems very doable for the Ducks. Uh, the series has gone three and three through their last six head-to-heads. And last season, the Ducks went 10 for 13 on third down conversions and racked up 506 total yards against the Beavers. Uh, plus, Oregon has covered in eight of their last 10 Oregon minus three, go Ducks. Uh, as far as the total, it's gone over in their last two meetings. And with the numbers these two offenses have been racking up, I think this total is very obtainable, which is why I will be taking the over. All right. Kayla's on the over and Oregon. <laughs> uh, Oregon minus three. This is another one. Honestly, I think it's. I think this is closer than a one-possession game. Um, I think Oregon could win, but I really do like Oregon State to keep this close and maybe even pull off the upset. That being said, RJ, where are you at on Ducks Beavers? Uh, I would uh, lean towards the over in this one. I, I have a tough time though picking Bo Nix in an important game ever. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's always been the issue, right. That's always yeah. been the issue with Oregon. And then you know they was banged up and everything, and uh, so like that, that that was always been my issue with Oregon all year. It's like, okay, first of all, is he healthy? Second of all, can I trust him? I do like the over in this one. Oregon State, man. That, I think they should be they should be lucky. They should be thanking these schedule makers that this game is at 2.30 and not at 7.30 because Corvallis is not an easy place to play uh, at night. It, it is weird things happen there at night. It's like Ames, right. Iowa uh, or, or, or Columbia, South Carolina, apparently. I'm still not bitter or anything. But uh, no, weird, things happen Cor- <laughs> yeah, weird things happen in Corvallis. Uh, so they should, I, I think they got, they got a break. They got a bit of a break. This game is like lunchtime. Uh, but I, I like the over in this one. If I had to lean on a spread, I would probably lean the, the, the Oregon State money line just because there's a little bit of value there. Uh, you get some plus money. Uh, and it just they're, they're a solid home team. They always have been. They've always, it's always been a tough place to play. Again, a three-point spread in this year's edition of the Civil War, number 23, Oregon State, hosting number 12, Oregon, as RJ mentioned, in Corvallis. A little bit later, a little farther south, uh, down the Pacific Coast, number five, USC. We talked about USC Plenwin. We talked about playoff positioning, hosting suddenly number 13, Notre Dame. They've risen back up the rankings after a couple of wins. This one, Saturday, 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific on ABC. So it'll be right after Oregon, Oregon State wrap up. Uh, USC has already clinched one of the two spots in the Pac-12 championship game. But now they've got an opportunity, I think, to chase down a CFP berth with a win here and next week, maybe against Oregon, Uh, maybe against Washington or Utah. We'll see. Uh, But they're going to need a loss, at least one loss by Michigan, maybe two by Michigan and TCU in the next two weeks. This is a good USC team, though. I think a lot of people uh, in the intervening weeks since they were blowing up non-conference teams early have lost track of that. They've got one loss this year. It's on the road at Utah. Caleb Williams lighting things up. 
could get invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Sixth in the country in passing yards, fourth in passing TDs, just three interceptions. And USC is turning over their opposition, plus 21 in turnover margin. Notre Dame's done a lot of that in the last month as well, though, plus seven in their last four games. Total has hit in each of these teams' last five games. Total sitting at 64 and a half. I think I'm comfortable going over here, guys. Uh, the the spread at five and a half, though, RJ, a tough read for me. I think this could be uncomfortably close again for USC. Yeah, I uh, I, I wouldn't touch the over under. I I actually like Notre Dame money line in this one. I think that's where I would wind up oh, going wow. in this. I think I think Notre oh, Dame's yeah. sunset. I know, I know. I hate Hello. to say it. I, there are very few things that I dislike in my life more than the Fighting Irish. Uh, but the, you know, <laughs> I, I still that that game against Clemson kind of threw me. They have responded so well since the beginning of the year where they had lost to Ohio State and then Marshall. And they've really mm-hmm. been a solid football team. And they had one little slip up against Stanford. Other than that, they've been fantastic. I, you know, USC has kind of gotten that, that game last week against uh, against UCLA. They weren't, you know, they, they were in control of that game, but it was still a very, very close game. And I think Notre Dame is a little bit better than UCLA. I, I think UCLA, I, I think Notre wow. Dame uh, pulls the upset here. Give me money line, Notre Dame. That's huge. Plus 180 Ooh. at BetMGM right now. Notre Dame on the money line. USC minus 225. We mentioned the five and a half point spread, Kayla, to the total at 64 and a half. I feel like you've been my my over buddy. Wonder Twin overpowers activate. Uh, we've been going overs a lot and they've been hitting for us. What about this one? This is a total in which I can actually see it going under, you guys, because Ooh. the total's gone under in their last three matchups. It's gone six and four in their last 10 Uh, But again, this is a much different team than in years past. As we know, USC has struggled defensively. Um, They've exceeded this total in nine of their 11 this season. Notre Dame has only done it in four. I don't know. Take the total at your own risk here. When I can't talk myself into either, I kind of lean the under. But then again, I can see it going over. So I'm actually going to stay away from the total here today. But I am going to take the Trojans to cover at minus five and a half. Okay. Trojans to cover, but not touching the total in Notre Dame, USC. I am leaning over uh, and RJ leaning Notre Dame on the money line. Uh, that one huge for the teams that are sort of trailing the college football playoff top four. They're hoping for a loss, not just a loss from Michigan, which, well, somebody's got to lose the Ohio State Michigan game, but also hoping for a loss from TCU. And TCU, number four in the country, hosts Iowa State Saturday, four Eastern. Three Central on Fox. The Cyclones, six of their seven losses have been by seven points or fewer. TCU, though, specializes in those kind of games, right? Like, they're not having fun unless it's down to the wire and we're fire drilling a kicker and a field goal team onto the field as the clock runs out. Iowa State, an underdog in Big 12 action by double digits or more. Double digits or more, is that a thing? Ten points or more, I guess I should say. Uh, They've covered the spread. Two five and one though against the spread in conference. I think I like TCU to sort of go out and impose their will a little bit here quickly, guys. What do you like? Oh, uh, Iowa State getting ten on the road at Fort Worth. RJ, uh, you know I actually like Iowa State with the plus ten. I think TCU wins the game, okay. but they, they they play close games. You know, even when TCU dominates games, they're they're typically closer than not. Uh, I think Iowa State keeps this one close. Uh, I would probably uh, lean towards the well, it's 47 and a half is a low number. I would probably put this one around a 31, 21, 31, 22, 23, 24 type game. Uh, so I'll take the over in this one. I'm just sick and tired of pretending that TCU is some great team. 
They're not. They're flawed like everybody else. Oh. Uh, the 70,000 living alumni in DFW are coming at me all week on the radio. I'm sorry. <laughs> they're just, they're just, they're, they're just this year's just next lucky team. That's okay. You got to keep winning these games. Uh, and they Sonny have, Dykes, they're not hey, great. RJ, Sonny Dyke said this week, if you don't think this is a good team, then maybe you just don't know football. Mm, he's coming I, I, you at know, you. Certainly possible. Okay. It's, it's, it's certainly possible. I'm not going to, I'm not going to refute that one. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, they're, they're, they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're, they're a good I'll, team. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Kayla, great. you got it. You got to play on TCU this week. I do. Uh, hi, Iowa State is not a good team. They've dropped seven of their last eight. Um, Maybe it's the fact that the Cyclones have won three straight against the Horned Frogs, but never mind that. Give me TCU minus 10. Uh, TCU is 8-2-1 against the spread. Iowa State, 4-6-1. As for the total, in six of Iowa State's games this year, they've scored no more than 14 points. Um, That does scare me a little bit, which is probably why this total is so low. I kind of want to lean the over, but it's only if TCU is doing all the scoring. Coming up, at least half of the slots in the Power 5 Conference Championship games have been decided, but we'll go over the scenarios for the still vacant slots. Plus, we get you some big numbers and our best bets next alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You are listening to us live coast to coast on the BetQL Network. This is BetQLU, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app as well, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You listen to us Every Friday night, 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, and Saturday mornings, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, or once that first airing of the show happens, you download the podcast. It's right there for you in your Odyssey app. Be sure to su- subscribe, and you'll get it delivered to you as soon as it's ready every single week. This being the final week of the college football regular season, though, that means conference championships are right around the corner. Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy alongside myself, Chris Mack. Uh, we'll go over our best bets in just a couple of moments. We will go over the biggest spread of the week. Uh, the smallest total of the week. It doesn't involve Iowa this week. Who knew? As well as the largest totals of the week. Three big numbers all coming from the same conference. But let's start with matchups or potential matchups that we're most looking forward to in the Power Five. SEC already decided. It'll be Georgia LSU in Atlanta. ACC, it'll be Clemson, North Carolina in Charlotte. Big 12, TCU against most likely Kansas State, but still possibly Texas, based on where we were when we uh, put this one in the can and got the show ready. Big 12, we know it's Ohio State or Michigan against either Iowa, Illinois, or Purdue. Pac-12, USC against most likely Oregon, still a slim possibility. It's Washington, even slimmer possibility. It's Utah. Which of these conference championship games are you guys looking forward to the most? Kayla, I'll start with you. Um, all of them. <laughs> I think don't cheat. You can't they, cheat and say all of them. You have to pick one. They all have such big implications. Obviously, Georgia sure. has to win to stay atop. LSU is going to want to play spoiler. Clemson, UNC doesn't really do a lot for me, so that's yeah. probably the one I'm least excited about. Uh, 
TCU's got to win to stay in the running. Ohio State, Michigan, obviously that's the biggest one that I would say holds the most weight because that's going to decide everything else. And then you've got USC versus Oregon where USC is trying to make a push for the top four and they can, depending on what happens with Ohio State, Michigan and TCU. So <laughs> these are all very exciting matchups. I don't, I don't know if I can pick one because they all have so much, again, they carry a lot of weight. I'll be honest. The one I think I'm looking forward to the most is Georgia LSU and the SEC championship game. Not just because it's the SEC championship game and it's got the cachet of being the SEC championship game. But I really think, you know, I joked around all year that Steve Sarkeesian is the new agent of chaos. Even as Lane Kiffin tries to retain the title by trying to jump to Auburn, but not really jumping to Auburn this past week. I think Brian Kelly has all the potential in the world as much as he gives me the heebie-jeebies with his fake accents, to be the new SEC <laughs> agent of chaos, Brian Kelly. And there, it would be something. Look, it wouldn't take Georgia out of the college football playoff, but it would it would right. ding them. It would be a major hit. I, th- I think you drop them all the way to four if they were to lose to LSU in the SEC championship game. You'd have LSU probably leapfrogging Georgia to number three, maybe. And then I don't know what that would do to the top two spots. You know, presumably Ohio State if they come out as Big Ten champ. But, I mean, could there be a playoff of an undefeated TCU at two, Ohio State at one, and then, I don't know, LSU-Georgia at three, four? That's the chaos. And I always root for chaos, guys. You know that. RJ, I don't know. You've had enough chaos the last couple of weeks with Tennessee playing the way they did. Maybe you just <laughs> want a nice little smooth ride the next week or two. <laughs> No, I, I love chaos, but I like when people when I say that, I don't mean mine. I mean other people's. Like I, I, right. I, I really, yeah. Other people's drama really kind of intrigues me. My own drama, I could really do without that one. So big I mean, Real Housewives fan over here, RJ Choppy. Huge, huge, same, huge. Yeah, other people's drama. Give it to me. But you know, the, 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 you know, the SEC championship game usually is the one that is the most intriguing more often than not. I honestly think Georgia can lose and not drop beyond two or maybe okay. three. I don't think they'll go to four because I don't think they would want to set up for an Ohio state, Georgia first round matchup. I think they would want to, they would want to change that mm-hmm. up a little bit. Um, yeah, this is a made for TV event. Um, right. It is, you know, so I don't think they would do that, but uh, honestly, the big 12 one is, is the one that's intriguing. TCU's got to beat the team a second time. And that, that, that is, that is difficult. The rest of the company, they're, they're the only round Robin, true round robin conference i think left and yeah. you know to have to beat a team texas or k-state uh, a second time you know that they, they they easily could have um I mean, they dominated that texas game there was a time where they could have lost the k-state game they were down to texas sure. that they were down to uh, uh oklahoma state having to beat these teams a second time that you've already beaten once is very very difficult to have to do uh, so I do like that one. I do like the Big 12 as my as my conference championship game. I'm mostly forward to. Uh, it's it's man. There's gonna be some quality matchups and, and crazy matchups too. Like I, I, that's the one thing is mm-hmm. as much as it's been a year of trying to figure out who five, six, seven are gonna be behind two, three, and four, and is Georgia gonna stay cemented at one? There's been just enough chaos, I think to keep us locked into the thing. We'll see if that continues to play out uh, in the final week of the regular season and then into those conference championship games. Chris, Some big I'll numbers change, now, I'll change though. my answer then. Oh, okay, who? Since you went SEC, RJ went big, 12. I'll go, I'll represent the West Coast since I'm on the West Coast. Okay. I'll go USC, Oregon. And since whoever's coming out of the Big Ten is going to, out of that Ohio State-Michigan game, will probably win and TCU. So 
I will okay. represent the Pac-12 and go USC, Oregon. Right, and and I think that's the, the that's probably I'm guessing probably ends up being the closest spread it, it, amongst all of the five conference championship games if if things hold based on probabilities and all that. I would think that you you would get uh you would get a pretty tight spread. You probably get a, definitely within four, I'm guessing four and a half ish maybe depending on how USC finishes out against Notre Dame and how the Ducks handle the Beavers. That would be a fantastic game. I'm at. You might have swayed me to that one as much as I still love the <laughs> SEC championship game. We're back and forth here. Biggest spread of the week last week was Washington covering minus 31, 54 to 7. They beat Colorado. The Buffaloes are terrible. Uh, they're 2 and 9 against the spread now. 0 oh and 9 against the spread when the spread is 17 or more. They're a disaster. This week, largest spread, number one, Georgia Bulldogs laying 35 and a half uh, versus Georgia Tech. How about this, though? Tech, three and three this year against the spread when it's 21 points or more. Uh, I'm still not in on this. I, th- I think Georgia, I think Georgia puts them to bed early just to kind of remind everyone that they are number one in the country. And, and this is one of those ones where a third quarter, late third quarter, early fourth, you're seeing, you're seeing some backups jump onto the field. RJ, what do you got? Like- Georgia, Georgia Tech. Uh, oh, obviously. The, the, the spread is wildly high. Did you, but take a look at the over-under. The spread's 35 and a half. The over-under is only 48, which tells you that they do not think Georgia Tech's going to score at all. <laughs> I actually probably, I would probably lean Georgia Tech in the points only because I think Georgia might get their players out of the game. They might get That's their guys call. out of the game quick. You know, uh, now I, I know I would if I was, if I was Kirby Smart. I'm not. I wear a real hat, not a visor. But if I was Kirby <laughs> Smart, I would get my players out as quick as I possibly could, I'm getting ready for that LSU game. You know you're going to beat Georgia Tech regardless. You know you're going to be number one in the nation regardless, no matter what the score is. Go out there, get a lead, get them out, and get ready for Atlanta. All right. Kayla, any interest on Georgia laying 35 and a half against Georgia Tech? That's exactly what I was going to say. I think they're going to play a little more reserved and try to save their players for the uh, SEC championship game. I like taking big spreads, but – I don't know that I would take this one just solely based on them kind of going easy on their team. Smallest total of the week. How about this? Uh, it doesn't involve Iowa. Although last week it hit Iowa, Minnesota was 32 and a half. They only scored 23 combined points this week. This week it's New Mexico, Colorado state at 34 and a half and Iowa second smallest total 38 and a half hosting Nebraska. Iowa still with a path to the big 10 championship largest totals of the week. How about this? We've got Memphis SMU, 72, 72 and a half. Central Ooh. Florida, South Florida, right around 70, 70 and a half. Tulsa and Houston, 67 and a half. All American conference games. Things still up for grabs. The, I didn't go over the conference championship scenarios in that conference because they're a little too convoluted and it involves Tulane. And, and whoever ends up coming out of that conference, though, as their conference champ, going to probably end up getting that at-large group of five spot and probably win the award of, I don't know, going to the Sugar Bowl and getting stomped by someone who doesn't get their way into the playoff. But yeah, they're scoring points in the AAC, and I am absolutely here for it. Brings us around to wrap things up this week, guys, with our best bets of the weekend. Kayla, I'll let you start us. What's your best bet this weekend? 
Uh, well, once again, I would just like to remind the public I am not going to be looking to a Mizzou game. Although, shout out to Marching Mizzou and the Golden Girls for, for making us proud and representing in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. How to get that one in. Uh, and nice in that work. same vein, I'm looking... Thank you. I'm looking to the old state of Kansas rivalry, even though we all know the best Kansas rivalry also involved Mizzou, but we're moving on. That one being the Governor's Cup. Uh, K-State is looking to clinch their spot, obviously, in the Big 12 championship and are sitting as the 11.5 point favorites right now. And surprising no one, I will be taking the Wildcats to cover at minus 11.5 with zero bias involved. And despite the fact zero, everyone else yeah. seems to be taking <laughs> KU to cover, I will not be doing that in a world where everyone is doing the same thing, guys. Be different. Uh, plus, K-State is 7-3-1 and one against the spread this season and 5-3 and three against the spread in conference games next to KU's 3-3-2 and two record. So it's in Manhattan. Big 12 championship on the line. Wildcats are going to pounce the Jayhawks. You heard it here. All first. right, Kayla's all over the Sunflower Showdown, surprisingly rooting against Kansas. I've never heard that before. RJ, what do you got? <laughs> Ah, all right, so uh, you know, I got, I got, I got two games for you. I already took the Iowa State plus ten. I like Iowa State plus the ten points, mm-hmm. uh, but I also like Vanderbilt plus the fourteen. Uh, new quarterback for Tennessee after the Hendon Hooker injury. They may not be able to move the football. Uh, we've seen, we've seen the Milton ex- uh, experience before. Nobody wants to see that. He throws the most amazing incompletions. These are immaculate <laughs> incompletions. Okay? You've never seen somebody throw a more beautiful ball to air than Milton. And it's it's going to be a sight to see. I hope you have no food in your stomach left for Thanksgiving when you have to watch this game. Vanderbilt's going to cover. Vanderbilt's probably going to win. Man. And again, he'll knock us out of a BCS kind of bowl, a New Year's Six bowl, just like it did in 2016. Not bitter about it. I've, I've let it go. I've let it go. Not at all. No bitterness win. at all. RJ. Plus the, the points. RJ in the hurt locker after the last couple of weeks with the Vols. I don't. I can't say I blame you. I t- I mentioned this one earlier when we talked about number twenty three Oregon State getting three at home in Corvallis against the visiting number twelve Oregon Ducks. How healthy is Bo Nix? We don't know. Mm. A pair of injuries, important injuries, starting linemen on the offensive front, and both of their last two games, Oregon have been decided by three point margins. The Beavers 9-2 against the spread this season, and they've won five in a row against the spread. Let's do it. We're on the Beavers plus three against Oregon in the Civil War. We will do it again next weekend, and we'll do it with conference championships on the line. Thank you for joining us live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. And wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app for RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram, I'm Chris Mack. This has been BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.